Yes, today we are tackling chapter 10 in this verse-by-verse teaching series through the book of Acts. And and we normally don't make it through a whole chapter in one sitting, but we're going to do that today. All 48 verses of Acts chapter 10. Woohoo! So stick with me today. It's a lot of text. I'm going to be thrown up on screen, but you know, listen carefully. There's just a lot of good stuff here in this, this chapter. We, I will be moving pretty quickly through some of the text. But brief review. Last week we finished Acts chapter 9, which covered a lot. We covered Saul's conversion, Saul's new ministry, preaching the gospel of Jesus in all the Jewish synagogues. Saul came under persecution in Damascus, and then he had to escape by being lowered in a basket in an opening in the city walls. That's a pretty cool story. And then Saul had an awkward encounter with the apostles in Jerusalem. Hey, guys, sorry I threw all your friends in jail. But Barnabas vouched for Saul, and then Saul had to flee for his life again, and that's the last we heard of Saul's, that he was fleeing to Tarsus. But we will catch up with Saul again soon. He will have a name change, and and we'll get to catch up with more of his ministry in future chapters. But there was this time of peace and growth in the early church. And then Acts chapter 9 ends with two amazing stories of, of healing through Peter. Aeneas, the paralyzed man who was just miraculously healed, and then Tabitha in Joppa, who was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, who worked through Peter in that incredible miracle. And then at the end of Acts chapter 9, we sort of read this throwaway verse, and we glossed over it last week, but I want to read it again. It says, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. And I wanted to revisit this because it transitions well into chapter 10 and and the theme of chapter 10. Because normally, any self-respecting Jewish man in the first century, they would not stay in the house of a tanner. According to first century Mosaic law, their understanding of the law, it was strictly forbidden for any Jewish man to work with dead animals, and that's exactly what a tanner did. Simon the tanner made his living by skinning dead animals and then treating the skins to make leather. And according to the Jewish custom of the time, tanners were supposed to live at least 75 feet outside of the edge of of any village. So they were kind of outcasts, literally, because of the constant ritual uncleanliness and also because of the smell. It was kind of a smelly occupation. They used these foul-smelling mixtures and chemicals to to treat the hides and create the leather. And and this, I read this, this was fascinating. The trade of a tanner was, was held in such strong contempt by Jews that if a young Jewish woman became betrothed to a tanner and she didn't know he was a tanner, then automatically the, the betrothal was void. So that, yeah, tough, tough profession. Tough profession. I imagine he probably did pretty well for himself though. So all that to say, Peter choosing to stay in Joppa with Simon the tanner, that's significant. There's something you know, important there. And it shows that Peter was beginning to show less concern for certain Jewish traditions and ceremonial law, Peter was starting to discover these these new levels of freedom in this new covenant under Christ. And that sets us up for what we're going to read today in Acts chapter 10. Let's begin. Here we go. Verse 1. 
At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. We'll stop there for now. So we have been introduced to this man named Cornelius, a centurion in the Italian regiment in Caesarea. Caesarea was a very important Roman port city. It was also the headquarters for the the Roman governor over Judea, which is where the Israelites lived. And then the Italian regiments, they were considered some of the most loyal Roman troops and consisted largely of volunteers who just wanted to serve and defend the Roman Empire. So Cornelius is about as Roman as they come. Very, very Roman. High-ranking, well-paid. So any patriotic Jew in the first century, they would have seen Cornelius as an enemy. They would have seen him as a Roman oppressor of Israel. And now Peter was on this collision course with Cornelius, someone that most Jews would have just outright hated and would have wanted nothing to do with. And yet, you know, we read in in this chapter, Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile. He was generous to those in need, and he prayed to God often. So these God-fearing Romans, they had forsaken the, the Roman pantheon, all those false gods that the Romans would worship. God-fearing Gentiles, they believed in the one true God, the God of the Israelites, the God of Abraham, Yahweh. And so that earned them some respect among the Jewish people. But these God-fearing Romans would still have been disliked by most Jews because of their position and their role as oppressors of, of Israel. You know, but in the least, they were respected because they honored the true God. Yahweh. They could not fully participate in the Jewish faith, but they were still respected by most Jews. And God was creating this divine appointment between Peter and Cornelius because God is going to jumpstart the next phase of the spread of the gospel. So let's pick it up in verse 9. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He must have been really hungry. By the way, that egg bake stuff was delicious today. Thank you to whoever brought that. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, 
kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. We'll stop there for a second. So Peter goes up to the roof of Simon the Tanner's house, and he begins to pray. And this was actually very common for people back then to go pray on the rooftop. And of course, you know, he's got a great view of the sea. The house is right by the sea. Probably because Simon the Tanner wanted to be close to the ships coming in to, to receive animals and skin them and then to send out shipments of his leather. He may have provided a lot of leather for the Roman army even. And who knows? And Peter was hungry, <laughs> which is fascinating because the, the vision he has is about food and eating. And, and so this vision Peter saw, heaven opening up and then this sheet being lowered down containing all kinds of kosher and non-kosher animals. So it must have been very confusing to Peter. And the voice said, Peter, get up, kill, eat. And I, it's just so Peter, right? He says, surely not, Lord. Who else in the New Testament is, is so defiant? <laughs> Peter is. Turns out he is still very stubborn uh, after everything he's been through, still has this stubborn streak. You know, if you remember, when Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet, Lord. And then later, Jesus explained to the disciples that he had to die and would suffer many things, and then he would be raised again three days later. I don't know how they forgot that or missed that, but, but Peter said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then here, again, now as Peter is receiving this vision from the Lord. He says, surely not, Lord. He's just so stubborn. You know, even though Peter was staying with a tanner, and it, we're learning that there are still limitations to Peter's faith. God was doing something new here. He was starting a new chapter after centuries of, of Mosaic tradition. The Old Testament was being fulfilled, and God was introducing new stuff here. And, and even Peter struggled to adapt. The thought of eating unkosher animals was just, no way, surely not, Lord. You know, and there, I think there are times where we do the same thing. We can have that same struggle. Many of us are guilty of putting God in a box, or, or our faith is just, we, we draw lines around what our faith should look like, and we expect God to work a certain way. We want, sometimes this is even worse, sometimes we want God to do what we want him to do and instead of us being surrendered to what God is doing in a given situation. So we need to be careful with that. We need to be careful not to get too settled into what's comfortable for us. We need to be careful not to, to become too entrenched in our traditions or the familiar because then God just might shake up that box that we have put our faith in. I, there's this great quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. And I guess I didn't include it. Great quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, shake yourself up a little. If you are too precise, may the Lord set you on fire <laughs> and consume your bonds of red tape. Really strong quote from Charles Spurgeon today. But thankfully, even in spite of Peter's stubbornness, the voice, the voice spoke a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And then this vision was repeated. Peter saw this three times. So this was very important. God did not want Peter to just assume he was hungry and having some kind of daydream. God really wanted to confirm that he was speaking to Peter and something important was about to happen here. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning... Oops, sorry. Got all off. Here we go. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Hmm. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. You know, it's, it's important for us to note Peter was still meditating on this vision and what it meant. So Peter did not immediately fully understand this thing that he saw. And then God's Spirit said to him, there's these men looking for you. Don't hesitate to go with them. And that's important because these men were Gentiles, right? One of them was even a Roman soldier. He may have been in uniform. And Jews would not normally associate with Gentiles like this. So that's why the Spirit of God said, you need to go with them. Do not hesitate to go with them. I sent them. And Peter not only hears what they have to say, but he invites them into the house as his guests. It wasn't even his house. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that? They're staying at your house and then they invite more guests over? It's like, oh, wow, how very forward of you to be so hospitable in my house. Maybe Simon the Tanner was busy. He didn't care. Maybe he was like, oh, more people that will talk to me. Great. You know, again, this is very against Jewish custom at the time. Jews in the first century did not invite Gentiles into their home. They did not invite Roman soldiers into their home. And we had quite a party going on here. We've got the unclean outcast, Simon the Tanner. We've got two Gentiles and a Roman soldier. And then we've got Simon Peter, the rock upon which Jesus is building his church. I mean, it almost sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, right? A tanner, a Gentile, and a Roman soldier walk into a bar, see? And then, I mean, what a party this is. But God was doing something amazing here. Barriers were being broken down. Let's keep reading. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. So Peter is obedient. He goes with Cornelius' messengers. He brings 
other Jewish believers along. He brought some people from Joppa along with him. And this is important because I think Peter was anticipating that God was going to do something big with these Gentiles, and he probably wanted some other people from the Jewish Christian community to be there as witnesses and to verify what the Lord was going to do. And Cornelius is expecting them, and, and so when Peter enters the house, Cornelius falls at his feet in reverence. I mean, that would be awkward. That What a Roman thing to do, right? Because whenever you know a, a Roman superior or the Roman emperor came by, what did people do? They fell at their feet in reverence. So Cornelius is treating Peter kind of like he would treat the Roman emperor. This demonstrates Cornelius' humility, you know, in reverence for this, this God of Israel who sent this man to his house. But, you know, he's also, it shows that Cornelius still has a lot to learn. <laughs> he, he's he's going to have a lot of unlearning to do, and then he's got a lot to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But Peter corrects him gently and says, I am only a man myself. In Christianity, we don't have gods or demigods among us. There is just the one true God. Jesus Christ alone is worthy of our worship. We are all just fallible humans, right? Including Peter, stubborn Peter, fallible Peter. None of us should receive worship that belongs to God alone. Here's verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Did you guys catch that in verse 28? Peter said, God has shown me that I should not call anyone, anyone, I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So Peter is realizing that vision he received, it's not just about animals, it's not just about food that he can eat. There's a whole other layer there. This was about people. This was about the gospel of Jesus being for everyone even Gentiles, even a Roman centurion and his family. The gospel is for everyone. And several weeks ago, Todd preached a great sermon on this passage with that same theme. The gospel is for anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your social status is or your gender or your age. No matter what you've done or haven't done, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is for you. It is for everyone. Amen. Verse 30, Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. You know, this is really the preacher's dream, right? <laughs> a good preacher will put in a lot of time preparing for a teaching, kind of like this. You know, and each week I spend anywhere from six, sometimes up to 12 hours, 
just preparing for this 30 minutes right here. And I've heard there are some pastors that put even more time into preparing for a sermon. And I'm sure Peter was plenty prepared for this moment. They had just traveled a whole day from Joppa. I think Peter has been thinking about this conversation ever since he had that vision. And I think the Holy Spirit is giving him words to say, which is what Jesus promised his disciples. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And I think what makes this situation even more special is Cornelius and his family are also prepared. It's kind of a, a team effort, right? When, you're, when there's a teacher bringing the word, there's people that are prepared and ready to receive the word. And I think there's a lesson in that for us. And, and guys, I know I'm up here preaching, but I struggle with this too. Like when I sit at the feet of other teachers, when I go to conferences and stuff, I, I need to work on this too. I think there are times we get so used to just sitting through sermons I don't even know how many sermons I've sat through in my life as a Christian. I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. Guys, I've heard so many sermons. I don't remember half of them. And I think we get so used to that that we don't prepare our hearts anymore. Not to hear from Mo or just from some preacher. We need to prepare our hearts to receive what the Lord has for us in that moment. Like even if it's a preacher you don't like, even if you don't like their style or what the topic is or the or the book they're preaching from, whatever. I think we should always make a habit of saying a prayer before we receive a teaching. Lord, open my heart to whatever you want to speak to me today. That's a prayer that I want to work on when I sit and receive teachings. Lord, open my heart to whatever you want to speak to me today. So Peter then launches into another epic Peter sermon. There's a lot of these in Acts. <laughs> this is a lot of great Peter sermons in the book of Acts. And I'm going to read through all of it starting in verse 34. So hang with me. It's about 10 verses. Good stuff, though. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses from whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Whew. We did it. What a sermon. Thank you, Peter. Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It's a very succinct summary of the gospel message that we just read. And this is a beautiful moment. This is so beautiful. Peter, who is born and raised in the Jewish faith, is preaching the gospel of Jesus to a Gentile household 
of a Roman centurion of all people. And then it gets really exciting what happens next. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Just like in Acts chapter 2, that upper room full of these faithful followers of Jesus, these Gentiles had now received the Holy Spirit in the same way. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ then they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is just so amazing. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Then the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Samaritans, if you remember that. We covered that in this series months ago. And, and now the Holy Spirit has been poured out even on Gentiles, a Roman centurion's household. Guys, guess what? We're Gentiles, right? I, I have no, zero Jewish descent in me, right? And for so long, the, the people of Israel, those were the people of God. That was the chosen nation through which God would bring the Messiah. And then Jesus came and the Jewish leaders of that time rejected Jesus. But then God filled the Jews who accepted Christ with the Holy Spirit and then told them to go bless Gentiles with it. God is doing a new thing. This is a new covenant that we have access to. Cornelius' household was baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they were baptized with water in the name of Jesus. These Gentiles were now fully a part of the kingdom of God. There was no more barrier. Didn't matter if you were Jewish or circumcised or uncircumcised or Gentile or whatever. There are only followers of Jesus and those who need to hear the gospel. Amen. You know, the funny thing is, as, as wonderful as this conversion story is for Cornelius and his house, I, I think this, this passage is just as much about a conversion happening in Peter's own heart when it came to the Gentiles and understanding the Gentiles, that the gospel is for everyone, even Gentiles. And I'm going to uh, close us today with one more passage. This incredible moment that we just read in Acts chapter 10, this was prophesied hundreds of years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Let me, let me read this for you. It just blows my mind. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isn't that cool? Let me pray for us today. Lord, I just thank you so much for this wonderful day. God, to be honest, I didn't think we'd get many people here today. <laughs> sleep, sleep is uh, precious 
And it is hard to get out of bed on a normal Sunday. So God, I just thank you that we have such a good group here today, that we came to, to worship you and you blessed us with your presence today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking through this passage in Acts, Acts chapter 10. Thank you for speaking through your servant Peter today, Lord, his sermon. And, and God, thank you that your gospel is for everyone that the forgiveness and mercy of Jesus Christ is for everyone. I thank you, Jesus. Come fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Bless our families today. We love you, God. We pray in your name. Amen.